Chapter 2 To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, with a new name written on the stone, that no one knows except the one who receives it. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, 
and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation chapter 2 2. The Things Which Are, Letters from Our Lord, Chapters 2, 3 In Chapters 2 and 3, we have individual letters addressed to the seven churches of Asia. The letters may be applied in at least three ways. First of all, they describe conditions that actually existed in the seven local churches at the time John was writing. Secondly, they give a view of Christendom on earth at any one time in its history. The features found in these letters have existed in part, at least, in every century since Pentecost. In this respect, the letters bear marked resemblances to the seven parables of Matthew 13. Finally, the letters give a consecutive preview of the history of Christendom, each church representing a distinct period. The general trend of conditions is downward. Many believe that the first three letters are consecutive and that the last four are concurrent, reaching to the time of the rapture. According to the third view, the epochs in the history of the church are generally listed as follows. Ephesus, the church of the first century was generally praiseworthy but it had already left its first love. Smyrna, from the first to the fourth century, the church suffered persecution under the Roman emperors. Pergamos, during the fourth and fifth centuries, Christianity was recognized as an official religion through Constantine's patronage. Thyatira from the 6th to the 15th century, the Roman Catholic Church largely held sway in Western Christendom until rocked by the Reformation. In the East, the Orthodox Church ruled. Sardis, the 16th and 17th centuries were the post-Reformation period. The light of the Reformation soon became dim. Philadelphia, during the 18th and 19th centuries, there were mighty revivals and great missionary movements. Laodicea, the church of the last days is pictured as lukewarm and apostate. It is the church of liberalism and ecumenism. There is a similarity in the structure of the letters. For instance, each opens with a salutation to an individual church, each presents the Lord Jesus in a role that is peculiarly fitting for that particular church, each describes his knowledge of the church's works, introduced by the words I know. Words of commendation are addressed to all churches except Laodicea, reproof to all except Smyrna and Philadelphia. To each a special exhortation is given to hear what the Spirit is saying and in each a special promise is included for the overcomer. Each church has its own distinctive character. Phillips has assigned the following titles, expressing these dominant features, Ephesus, the loveless church, Smyrna, the persecuted church, Pergamos, the overtolerant church, Thyatira, the compromising church, Sardis, the sleeping church, Philadelphia, the church with opportunity, and Laodicea, the complacent church after Walbert describes their problems as, 1, losing their first love, 2, fear of suffering, 3, doctrinal defection, 4, moral departure, 
5. Spiritual deadness, 6. Not holding fast, and 7. Lukewarmness. Ek to Ephesus, 2 verses 1 to 7. 2 verse 1. The Lord introduces himself to the church of Ephesus as the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Most of the descriptions of the Lord in these letters are similar to that which is found in chapter 1. 2 verse 2. This church was outstanding for its plentiful works, its arduous labor, and its patient endurance. It did not tolerate evil men in its midst. It had the ability to discern false apostles and to deal with them accordingly. 2 verses 3, 4 For the sake of Christ's name, it had endured trial and adversity with patience and had labored tirelessly. But the tragedy of Ephesus was that it had left its first love. The fire of its affection had died down. The glowing enthusiasm of its early days had disappeared. The Christians could look back to better days when their bridal love for Christ flowed warm, full, and free. They were still sound in doctrine and active in service, but the true motive of all worship and service was missing. 2 verse 5. They should remember the good days of their early faith, repent of their diminishing of first love, and repeat the devoted service which characterized the outset of their Christian life. Otherwise, he would remove the lampstand at Ephesus, that is, the assembly would cease to exist. Its testimony would die out. 2 verse 6. A further word of commendation concerns their hatred of the deeds of the Nicolaitans. We cannot be positive who these people were. Some think they were followers of a religious leader named Nicholas. Others point out that the name means rule over the laity and see in this a reference to the rise of the clerical system. 2 verse 7. Those who have ears to hear God's word are encouraged to listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Then a promise is held out to the overcomer. In general, an overcomer in the NT is one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, 1 John 5 verse 5, in other words, a true believer. His faith enables him to overcome the world with all its temptations and allurements. Perhaps in each of the letters the word has an additional thought, connected with the condition in that particular church chapter, thus an overcomer in Ephesus may be one who shows the genuineness of his faith by repenting when he is backslidden from his first love. All such will eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. This does not imply that they are saved by overcoming, but that their overcoming proves the reality of their conversion experience. The only way men are saved is by grace through faith in Christ. All who are saved will eat from the tree of life, that is, they will enter into eternal life in its fullness in heaven. Ephesus is often taken to describe the condition of the church soon after the death of the apostles. B to Smyrna, 2 verses 8 to 11. 2 verses 8. Smyrna means myrrh or bitterness. Here Christ presents himself as the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. This description would be particularly comforting to those who faced the threat of death daily. 2 verse 9. With special tenderness, the Lord tells his suffering saints that he knows their tribulation thoroughly. To outward appearances, they might be poverty-stricken, but as far as spiritual things were concerned, they were rich after as Charles Stanley said, there was peculiar honor in being near and like himself, who had nowhere to lay his head. I have learned this, Jesus is specially the partner of his poor servants. The saints at Smyrna were being bitterly attacked by the Jews. 
historians tell of the eagerness with which these Jews sought to aid in the martyrdom of Polycarp, for instance. As Jews, they claimed to be God's chosen people, but by their blasphemous behavior they showed that they were a synagogue of Satan. 2 verse 10. The Christians should not fear any of those things they would soon suffer. Some of them would be imprisoned and tested by tribulation for ten days. This time period may refer to ten literal days, to ten distinct persecutions under the Roman emperors who preceded Constantine, or to ten years of persecution under Diocletian. The believers were encouraged to be faithful until death, that is, to be willing to die rather than renounce their faith in Christ. They would receive the crown of life, a special reward for martyrs. 2 verse 11. Again the willing hearer is encouraged to listen to the Spirit's voice. The overcomer is promised exemption from the second death. Here an overcomer is one who proves the reality of his faith by choosing to go to heaven with a good conscience rather than stay on earth with a bad one. He will not be affected by the second death, the doom of all unbelievers, 20 verses 6, 14. See to Pergamos, 2 verses 12 to 17. 2 verse 12. Pergamos, or Pergamum, means high tower or thoroughly married. This letter presents the Lord as the one who has the sharp two-edged sword. This is the word of God, Hebrews 4 verse 12, with which he will judge evildoers in the assembly, cv. 16. 2 verse 13. Pergamos was the Asian headquarters for the cult of emperor worship, hence it is called the place of Satan's throne. In spite of the surrounding paganism, the church had remained loyal to Christ, even though one of its members, Antipas, had been martyred for his confession of the Lord Jesus. He was the first known Asian to die for refusing to worship the emperor. 2 verses 14, 15. But the Lord must reprove the church for permitting men with evil doctrine to continue in the Christian fellowship. There were those who held the doctrine of Balaam and of the Nicolaitans. The doctrine of Balaam sanctioned eating things sacrificed to idols and sexual immorality. It also refers to the practice of preaching for hire, Numbers 22-25, 31. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans is not defined. Many Bible scholars feel that these were libertines, teaching that those under grace were free to practice idolatry and sexual sins. Dr. C. I. Schofield, however, links the doctrine with the rise of the clerical system. It is the doctrine that God has instituted an order of clergy or priests, as distinguished from the laity. The word is formed from two Greek words, Nico, conqueror or overcomer, and Laos, the people. The New Testament knows nothing of a clergyman, still less of a priest, except as all sons of God in this dispensation are a royal priesthood. In the apostolic church there were offices, elders, or bishops, and deacons, and gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, Ephesians 4 verse 11. These might or might not be elders or deacons. But late in the apostolic period there emerged a disposition to arrogate to elders alone authority to administer ordinances, and, generally, to constitute themselves a class between God and the people, they were the Nicolaitans. You will observe that what were deeds in the Ephesus or late apostolic period, had become a doctrine 200 years later in the Pergamos or Constantine period. Point 8. 2 verse 16. True believers are called on to repent. If they did, they would presumably expel the evil teachers from their midst. Otherwise the Lord himself would fight against these evil men. 2 verse 17. 
Obedient saints should hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The overcomer would be given hidden manna and a white stone. The overcomer in Pergamos may be the child of God who refuses to tolerate evil teaching in the local church after, but what are the hidden manna and the white stone? Manna is a type of Christ himself. It may speak of heavenly food in contrast to foods offered to idols, verse 14. Hidden manna may be some sweet, secret communion with himself, known in the glory as the one who suffered here. The white stone has been explained in many ways. It was a token of acquittal in a legal case. It was a symbol of victory in an athletic contest. It was an expression of welcome given by a host to his guest. It seems clear that it is a reward given by the Lord to the overcomer and expressing individual approval by him. Alfred says that the new name indicates acceptance by God and title to glory. Historically this church probably represents the time soon after Constantine, when the church was thoroughly married to the state. Thousands became nominal Christians, and the church tolerated pagan practices in its midst. D. To Thyatira, 2 verses 18-29 2 verse 18. The name Thyatira means perpetual sacrifice or continual offering. In this letter the Son of God is seen as having eyes like a flame of fire and feet like fine brass. The eyes speak of piercing vision, and the brass feet speak of threatened judgment. 2 verse 19. This church was outstanding in several ways. It was not lacking in good works, love, service, faith, and patient endurance. In fact, its works were increasing in quantity rather than declining. 2 verse 20. But impure doctrine had been tolerated in the assembly with the result that immorality and idolatry were being practiced. The church had permitted a self-styled prophetess named Jezebel to lead God's servants into sin. Just as Jezebel in the OT had corrupted God's people with fornication and idolatry, so this woman taught that Christians could engage in these practices without sinning. Perhaps she encouraged the believers to join the trade guilds of Thyatira, even though this involved honoring the guild god or goddess and participating in festivals where food was sacrificed to idols. She doubtless justified this compromise with the world on the ground that it would allegedly advance the cause of the church. 2 verses 21-23 Because she refused to repent, the Lord was going to give her a sick bed of tribulation in place of her bed of lust. Those who committed adultery with her would be thrown into a bed of great tribulation and death unless they forsook her and escaped from her deeds. Then all the churches would know that the Lord is watching and that he rewards according to man's deeds. There was probably a literal prophetess in Thyatira named Jezebel. But Bible students have also seen here a reference to the rise of a false church system with its adoration of images, sale of indulgences, and priestly absolution from such sins as fornication. 2 verses 24, 25. There was a faithful remnant in Thyatira, the rest, as many as do not have this doctrine, which had not been initiated into the secret doctrines and rites of Jezebel, otherwise known as the depths of Satan. No other burden of responsibility was placed on them than to hold fast the truth until Christ's coming. 2 verses 26 to 28. The overcomer in Thyatira was the true believer who steadfastly maintained the works of genuine Christianity. His reward would be to reign with Christ during the millennium. He would have authority over the nations and would rule them with a rod of iron. All sin and rebellion would be punished severely and promptly. The Lord promised to give to the overcomer the morning star. 
The Lord Jesus is the bright and morning star, 22 verse 16. Just as the morning star appears in the heavens before the sun rises, so Christ will appear as the morning star to rapture his church to heaven before he appears as the son of righteousness to reign over the earth, 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13-18, Malachi 4 verse 2. Thus the overcomer is promised a part in the rapture. He does not earn this by his works, but his works demonstrate the reality of his faith. Because he is genuinely converted, he will be given the morning star. 2 verse 29. In this and the following three letters, the formula he who has an ear, let him hear. Follows the promise to the overcomer rather than preceding it. This may indicate that from this point on, only those who overcome are expected to have an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches.